Thank you, Gary, for leading us in that time of communion. Well, now it's time to dig into God's Word together. I hope you have your Bibles with you. Uh, We've started a new message series that I'm calling You Asked For It. And so we're tackling each week some of your most pressing questions about God, about the Bible, and our Christian faith. And so we're systematically tackling those one by one each week based on how the voting comes in. And so today I'll be tackling the question that came in first place in the voting last Sunday. But before I get to that, I need to know what you need me to answer next Sunday. And so we've got three great questions that you get to choose from over the next few minutes. If you're watching on live.greaterimpact.cc, just text us one, two, or three in the message bar. Uh, Same thing if you're watching this on Facebook, just message us one, two, or three. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, send one of our prayer counselors a quick text. Which is your favorite question? Option one, why do I feel so lost? Question number two, What are heaven and hell really like? And question number three, can I lose my salvation? You've got 30 seconds to vote. Let us know one, two, or three. Which is your favorite question that you'd like answered? Ready, set, go. Thank you so much for voting. I'll tackle the question that came in first place next Sunday. And today we're going to tackle the question that came in first place in last Sunday's voting. And that question is, how do I hear God's voice? That is a good question. Need you to have your Bibles handy. Take out your Bibles and open up, please, to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings is in the Old Testament. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. If you have a pen and a paper to jot down some notes on, that's even better. But at least make sure you have your Bibles in hand. 1 Kings chapter 19. As you're turning there, I just want to share with you a little bit uh, about the kind of movies I like. I like all sorts of different movies, but one of the genres that I've really enjoyed in recent years are nature documentaries. Uh, There have been some really, really good ones that have come out in recent years. Uh, Movies like African Cats and uh, Dolphin Reef and uh, Born in China. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, Born in China is not about how the coronavirus started. (laughs) It's actually about panda bears and snow leopards and golden monkeys. Really well done documentary. And of all of these that I've seen and enjoyed in recent years, there is one that is my absolute favorite. Guess what it is? March of the Penguins. I love that movie. One of the things I love about March of the Penguins is that it's narrated by Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman has one of the most amazing voices in all of Hollywood. You know, it's right up there with James Earl Jones's voice. I think if if James Earl Jones hadn't been available to voice Darth Vader, I would have loved to hear Morgan Freeman do it. That would have been pretty cool. But anyways, Morgan Freeman narrates this great movie about how a colony of emperor penguins will migrate from the chilly waters of the ocean across the ice of Antarctica. They travel 70 miles every year to their breeding ground. 
And so those little emperor penguins come up out of the water onto the ice and they walk 70 miles. Actually, they more like waddle 70 miles to their breeding ground. And as they get to their breeding ground, each of the female penguins will choose her mate. She'll choose her husband. And together, they're able to produce one egg. And so they have that one egg. If something happens to that egg, if it cracks or if it's dropped and breaks somehow, that's it for the year. She'll have to wait another year to lay an egg. But it's so amazing to watch these photos of these female emperor penguins. They lay that egg and they place it right there on top of their feet. And very carefully, each of the female emperor penguins will hand off that egg to her male mate, to her husband. And he carefully puts that egg on top of his feet and then covers it with his abdominal feathers to keep it warm. At that point, all of the females, somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand of them, will march back 70 miles to the ocean so that they can eat. And there on that stretch of ice, 70 miles away from the water, those male emperor penguins huddle together with those eggs on top of their feet. And for the next two months, they stand there, braving temperatures as low as 70 degrees below zero and winds that whip through at up to 100 miles an hour. And there they are huddled together with those eggs on top of their feet, and they do not eat a single thing for two months. And finally, after two months, the females return. And as the females return, there are all those male emperor penguins huddled together, a thousand plus of them, and the females begin to call out for their husband. They call out, and the husbands call out for their mate. And it's an amazing thing. As you and I are listening to this, it just sounds like a bunch of racket. It sounds like a bunch of noise. I look at those penguins. To me, they all look the same. And to me, they all sound the same. But that female emperor penguin is able to distinguish the voice of her husband from all the other hundreds of voices in the crowd. She distinguishes the voice of her husband. And by that time, the egg is hatched into a beautiful little baby penguin. And he is able to hand off that baby penguin to mommy while he goes off and gets a meal for the first time in over two months. What an amazing thing. I was thinking about this 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 past week as I was chewing on this question that I knew I was going to tackle today. You, you think about it. We hear today the voices of, of, of hundreds of, of people. Every week we hear hundreds of different voices. For some of us, we hear hundreds of voices every single day. Uh, we hear the voices of our friends and our family. Uh, moms, you hear the voices of your kids. Sometimes your ears are rattling by the end of the day because you hear so many voices in your home. We hear hundreds of voices on TV and on radio and at Walmart and at Winco. All of these voices are really fighting for our attention. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we want to know, don't we, how do I hear God's voice? Of all these hundreds and sometimes even thousands of voices blending together, rattling in my ears, how can I distinguish, much like that emperor penguin distinguishes uh, the voice of its mate, how can I distinguish the voice of God? How do I single that out? How do I hear God's voice? That is a great question. And today I'll point you to the answer in God's Word. Amen? Amen. So I need you to have your Bibles handy. In just a moment, we'll look at 1 Kings chapter 19. 
Uh, a few minutes ago, as I asked you to turn there, uh, maybe a few of you took a peek at the chapter before, 1 Kings chapter 18. It's one of the most famous chapters in all of 1 Kings, because in chapter 18, it tells the story of the prophet Elijah's showdown on Mount Carmel with the 450 prophets of Baal. Many of you remember that story. Uh, there they were in northern Israel. The king at the time was King Ahab, the most wicked king that northern Israel had ever had. One of the reasons he was the most wicked king is because he was married to the most wicked queen, uh, Queen Jezebel. She was a wretched, wretched woman. And so together, Ahab and Jezebel wreaked havoc in northern Israel, leading people away from God, leading people into Baal worship, killing God's prophets. They were some wicked people. And so there in chapter 18, Elijah, God's prophet, challenges the 450 prophets of Baal to a showdown. They each set up their altar on, on Mount Carmel with a bull that was ready to be consumed by the fire. And, and so Elijah kind of throws out the gauntlet. He gives this challenge. Tell you what, we're going to decide who the real God is. I want you and your 450 buddies to cry out in prayer to Baal and ask Baal to send fire down from heaven to consume your bull sacrifice. And after you're done piddling around, I'll set up my bull sacrifice and I'll ask my God, the one true God, to do the same, to send down fire from heaven. And you remember what happens? The Baal worshippers are dancing and hooping and hollering for hours. Nothing happens. Baal couldn't answer that prayer because Baal's dead. He's not a real God. And so they start taking sharp rocks and stabbing themselves, thinking that their gushing blood would somehow coax their God, Baal, into answering with fire. But, of course, that didn't work. And so finally, late in the day, Elijah prays to God a simple prayer. And God sends down fire from heaven and completely consumes that sacrifice. And all the people of Israel who were spectators that day on Mount Carmel, all of them fall down in fear. And they say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And we get to the end of chapter 18 and we think, woohoo, Elijah, you're the man. You did it. You are brave. You are courageous. It was one against 450 and you wiped the floor with them. But interestingly, when we get to chapter 19, Elijah isn't celebrating. Elijah isn't on cloud nine. Elijah isn't that great man of courage that we see even one chapter earlier. And so we're picking up in verse one of first Kings chapter 19. And there's a very important reason I have us in this chapter today. It'll help us answer that question. How do I hear God's voice? So here we are in chapter 19. Please follow along as I begin in verse one. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of those prophets. You see, after Elijah had won that great victory on Mount Carmel and God had sent down fire from heaven, Elijah gave the instruction to have all 450 of those prophets of Baal put to death. And so Queen Jezebel's not happy about that. She says, Elijah, I'm going to make your life like one of those Baal prophets' lives. I am going to kill you as soon as I have a chance. Verse 3 says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life when he came to Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree and he sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, 
I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread. Baked over hot coals in a jar of water, he ate and drank, and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me also. The Lord said, Go. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And here is the part of the passage I especially want you to catch. It says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me also. Well, the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. And then it says, down in verse 19, So Elijah went, and he did as the Lord said. So this is a wonderful, wonderful passage. And there's so much that we could spend time digesting from this passage. But it would take more time than we have uh, together this morning. Uh, there's so much in this passage that maybe you want to explore in your own time uh, because this passage does deal with burnout. It deals with discouragement. It deals with depression and it deals with anxiety and fear. Elijah, the great prophet, was dealing with all of those things. He had had this mountaintop experience in the prior chapter, but when he came down off that mountain, he crashed and he crashed hard. And so there's so much that we can glean from this passage, but I really want us, for the purpose of today's message, to focus on verses 11 through 13. Uh, these verses are pretty incredible. You see, Elijah had already heard God's voice on, on many different occasions. Uh, this would not be the first time that God would speak to him. He was one of God's prophets, and of all the prophets that, that God had in those days, Elijah was the best known, and, and probably we could make the case that God spoke to him more than any other prophet. And so God spoke to him before, including here in verse 7 and including uh, in verse 9. God had spoken to him uh, even very recently. But I think it's so interesting that in verse 11, the Lord tells Elijah that he is about to pass by. And right after he says, I'm about to pass by, this great and powerful wind begins to shake the mountains and the cave where Elijah was. 
But somehow, some way, Elijah knew that God was not in that wind. And then right after that wind comes, then comes this great earthquake. And the earthquake rattles the mountainsides. And you can imagine the rocks falling down like a waterfall in front of the mouth of that cave. The earthquake was shaking the mountain. But somehow, some way, Elijah knew that God was not in that earthquake. And then after the earthquake comes this great raging fire and it's raging in front of the mouth of the cave and consuming the brush and, and it's this hot uh, inferno. But Elijah somehow, some way knows that God is not in the fire. Somehow, some way he knew God was not in the wind. God was not in the earthquake. God was not in the fire. How does Elijah know that God is not speaking to him through those things. How does Elijah know? I want to know. How does Elijah know that God is not moving and speaking through the wind or through the earthquake or through the fire? The Bible doesn't tell us, but we know that Elijah knew. Somehow he knew God wasn't in those three natural manifestations. And then finally at the end of verse 12, Elijah hears a gentle whisper. It's a gentle whisper. I like how the old King James puts it. Elijah hears a still, small voice. It's a gentle whisper. A still, small voice. And Elijah immediately knows that God is speaking. He recognizes the voice of God. That's an amazing thing. Wouldn't you love to be able to do what Elijah does here in chapter 19? Wouldn't you love to be able to recognize the gentle whisper of God in the midst of all of the noise? I know that I would. And I guess I would say if you're a follower of Christ, I would guess that you want that same thing, to be able to recognize the voice of God. So how do we do that? How do we hear God's voice? Well, let's start by revisiting a few verses that I shared with you last week. I mentioned to you last Sunday that one of the most uh, popular verses in the Old Testament is Jeremiah 29.11. Many Christians have memorized this verse. Many Christians would say it's their favorite verse in the entire Bible. It says in Jeremiah 29.11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope. And a future. And I pointed out to you last Sunday that the next few verses after Jeremiah 29, verse 11, are equally important. A lot of times we don't pay attention to verses 12 through 14. But I want to share those with you again because it's, we take Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14 together with what we just read in 1 Kings chapter 19. We will be able to answer this question How do I hear God's voice? So verses 12 through 14 there in Jeremiah 29, 11 say this. God says, you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. It's a marvelous passage. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I'd like to share with you three insights. 
You might call them three tips, but we're going to go with the word insights. Three insights that we can glean when we fuse together these two passages, 1 Kings 19 uh, with Jeremiah 29, verses 12 through 14. The first insight I want to share with you from these verses is this. The problem isn't that God's not talking. The problem is that you're not listening. Did you catch that? The problem isn't that God's not listening. The problem is that, excuse me, the problem isn't that God's not talking. The problem is that you're not listening. I know I'm guilty as charged. There's so many times I do not listen to the still small voice of God. God speaks to us in a hundred different ways every single day. God speaks to us through prayer. He speaks to us through people. He speaks to us through our triumphs and even speaks to us through our failures and through our pain. There are so many different ways that God speaks to us every single day. And you know, the number one way that God speaks to us as his followers is through the word of God. It's the number one way that God speaks to us is through his word, the Bible. So if you want to hear God's voice, just start reading God's word. It's the best way to hear God's voice if you want to hear it every single day. And I guarantee you, if you read his word, you will hear his voice. Amen? If you read his word, you'll definitely hear his voice. There's a reason we call this Bible God's word. It's God's word because it contains God's words to you and to me. Remember, the God of heaven and earth is a very personal God. Uh, He speaks in a, a very personal way. Uh, Don't you think it's amazing when you're reading God's word, maybe it's in a devotion, maybe it was in this very sermon today, uh, you're reading God's word and all of a sudden a verse that you have read maybe a hundred times, all of a sudden on a certain day leaps off the page and hits you right in the heart. Isn't it amazing how God's word can be so fresh and so insightful, even though you've read those verses maybe a hundred times before? Many of you have experienced uh, hearing a a message, a a sermon preached, and the the minister, the pastor is sharing a message that you've heard basically preached maybe a dozen times in your life. You know, maybe it's about God's love. Maybe it's about uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. That message you have heard in one form or another a dozen times in your life. And all of a sudden on that specific day, for some reason, that message hits you right in the heart. How is that? It's because God's word is living and active. And God's word can speak to us every single day. Something you have read maybe a hundred times, God can speak something fresh and new to you exactly when you need to hear it. He's a very personal, personal God. Sometimes you hear a sermon and you say, man, how the pastor know what I was dealing with? It's like God was speaking right to me, or it was like the pastor was speaking right to me. Well, I'll fill you in on a little inside secret. That pastor doesn't know what you're going through in all likelihood, but God had laid on his heart the message to share with the congregation that day. And as he laid that message on the the, the pastor's heart to, to speak that message, God was speaking to you through that message, even if the pastor didn't know that God was speaking to you directly through it. You see, God anoints the mouth oftentimes of his followers to give you a message that he wants you to hear. God's voice oftentimes comes 
through someone else's voice who's simply teaching God's word. And so the problem isn't that God's not talking. The problem is that we're not listening. Would you agree that we don't talk to God as much as we should? Would you agree with that? It's true. We don't talk to God as much as we should. And would you also agree that we don't listen to God as much as we should? That's true too. We don't talk to God as much as we should. We should be praying more. And we don't listen to God as much as we should. You see, God speaks to us through prayer. But God also, as I mentioned, speaks to us through our triumphs and through our failures and through our pain. God speaks to us most often, as we said, through his word. But did you know that sometimes God also speaks to us through nature? Have you ever had God speak to you through nature? God's done that to me on different occasions. Just this last month, uh, my family and I were able to enjoy, somewhat, <laughs> two sparrows uh, that had formed a nest in our patio cover in our backyard. And so these two sparrows, they had worked very hard. I'm sure the mom was the main worker. Uh, but uh, anyway, made this beautiful nest. And in those nests, in that nest, mom had laid her eggs. And so I decided one day after I had realized that those eggs had hatched to take out our six foot step ladder and climb up and look at uh, those little baby birdies. And so I went out to the patio. I put up the, the step ladder and I got up really, really close and saw these four beautiful birds. Aren't they cute? Those are some cute little baby birds. And so I got my, my camera real close and I was taking some photos of the birds. That's how you're able to see that on the screen. I, I took some close-up photos of the birds. And guess what was happening about 20, 25 feet away from me? About 20 to 25 feet away, perched on top of my backyard fence, was Mama Birdie. Mama Birdie. And so there I was taking these pictures of the baby birds and then I snapped a photo a little bit later of Mommy Bird perched up on that fence. Now, I know that from her vantage point, she could not see her nest because it was tucked away underneath the patio cover. She could not see her nest. She could not see her four baby birds. But every few seconds, she would send out a call. Every few seconds, she would call to them. And when they heard their mom call to them, they would chirp ever so lightly back. And so I could imagine she couldn't see those little birds, but she was still communicating with them as if to say, uh, little birdies, your mama is close by. Your mama is close by. And after a few seconds, I'm here. I'm still here. I'm still here. And those little birdies would chirp back, uh, mama, we can hear you. We're still here and we're still okay. And I kind of think maybe at one point the little birdies, as I was up on that ladder, said, we're still here, Mommy, but there's this huge featherless bird right in front of us, and he's got the biggest beak I've ever seen. Either way, these birds were communicating with each other, and I got to thinking about God again. Because you know what? So often God is calling to us. We may not be able to see him with our eyes, but he's calling to us. And you know, as a loving father in heaven, he wants to hear your call to him as well. Those little birds reminded me that as God calls to us, we need to call back to him. We need to let him know what our needs are. We need to call out to him in prayer. We need to speak with God and we need to listen for his still small voice as he returns the call. And so that's the first insight today. The problem isn't that God's not talking. The problem is that we are not listening. Insight number two. 
God speaks to us more often than we realize, but we don't hear him because there's too much background noise drowning him out. There's too much noise drowning him out. Now, we live in a very noisy world. Moms, don't you agree? <laughs> we live in a very noisy world. I've got a household of six, and I can tell you sometimes this household gets really, really noisy. That just happens when you've got a lot of people living under one roof. And so many of us, it's not just a matter of our family members being noisy. Uh, many of us, when we get into our cars, we immediately turn on uh, the radio. And so we're constantly uh, being bombarded with noise inside our vehicles. Many of us, when we get home, we immediately turn on the television and we're being bombarded with noise from our television set. Uh, did you notice that Elijah, when he was in that cave on Mount Horeb, uh, he didn't have a 70-inch flat screen uh, blaring some movie. He wasn't. He was in there in the stillness of the cave so he could hear God's still small voice. He didn't have a 70-inch uh, flat screen in that cave. You notice that Elijah didn't have the headphones. Uh, he wasn't blaring Beyonce or, or Taylor Swift or Tupac. You know, there he was listening for the still small voice of God. He had cut out the background noise as best as he could. So in order to hear God's whisper, you must strive to eliminate at least some of the background noise. To do this, we need to practice a little bit of self-discipline. We need to turn off the TV, not have it going every time we're at home. We need to turn off our radios at times, and sometimes we just need to drive down the road, I think, without anything playing on the radio and just enjoy some of that silence. We need to get out in nature if we're able to. Uh, most of you are able to walk outside and enjoy nature a little bit. I encourage you to do that, especially during the stay-at-home order. Uh, it's easy to get cabin fever. We need to get out and enjoy God's nature. We need to get out and uh, away from some of that noise that rattles in our ears. In order to hear God's voice, we have to be able to hear God's voice. Did you catch that? In order to hear God's voice, you have to be able to hear God's voice. Yeah, I said that right. If you're going to hear his voice, you have to be able to hear his voice. We have to cut out some of the background noise in order to do that. It's easy to say, I want to hear God's voice. But let me ask you, do you really, really, really want to hear God's voice? Because that's insight number three. You've got to want it. You've got to want it. You've got to really, really, really want it. If you really want to hear God's voice, then you will open his word every day. If you really want to hear God's voice, you'll go to him in prayer every day. If you really want to hear God's voice, you'll read books that help us learn about God and follow God better. We'll listen to messages like this one and sermons that allow us to get to know God better and how to follow him and please him more and more. If you really want to hear God's voice, I encourage you to join us for one of these impact groups this week as we begin looking at how God has custom made you, how he's tailor made you to serve him in a specific and creative way. God has made you special and unique. And even though you, like me, are called to bring him glory and praise and bring him pleasure, he's called you to do that in a little bit different way than he's called me. I encourage you, if you are truly hungry for hearing God's voice, then you pursue God in these ways, and I guarantee you, you will hear 
the voice of God. Never forget Jeremiah 29.13 where God says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your... Remember? You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. With all of your heart. So let me ask you, do you seek God with all of your heart? Just as Mama Penguin's heart, her heart's desire was to hear Daddy's voice. Our heart's desire should be to hear our daddy's voice. We must have hearts that love God and want to spend time with God and long to hear the voice of God. As we discovered last Sunday, discovering God's specific will for our lives takes time and effort. There are no shortcuts. The same is true of hearing God's voice. It takes time and effort. There aren't any shortcuts. There aren't any. You will seek God and you will find God And you will hear God's voice when you seek Him and listen for Him with all of your heart. Amen? Amen. I want to give you a couple of personal examples of times that I've heard the voice of God. Uh, One of the questions that Christians oftentimes ask that parallels this question of how do I hear God's voice is the question, does God speak to us in an audible voice? I've heard that question a lot over the years. Does God speak to us in an audible voice? And the biblical answer to that question is sometimes. Sometimes. God sometimes speaks to us in an audible voice, but most of the time God will speak to us in an inaudible voice because more often than God speaking to our ears, most often God speaks to our hearts directly. God will most often, if he wants to tell you something, bypass your ears and speak directly to your heart. couple examples. When I was 24 years old, I was just a few months away from getting married. And the last six months before I got married, I was living with a sweet little senior couple in the church that I attended. I, I lived at their house. I rented a room in their house for about six months. And their names were Jerry and Evelyn, uh, a sweet couple in our church. They just had hearts of gold. They rented me that bedroom for $100 a month. And even back then, that was a really good deal. And so for just a hundred bucks a month, I got to have this bedroom in their house. And so I was busy, you know, doing college work and ministry and, and being engaged, all of this. And I remember one night I came back to their house a little bit later in the evening than I normally did. And so I came through their front door and all the lights were off. Uh, they had already turned off the lights and gone to bed for the night. And so I'm walking through the front door. It's kind of late, and I was tired, and the only thing I wanted to do was go to bed. But I happened to glance over to my left where their kitchen was, and I saw in the kitchen that their sink was full of dishes. And so I saw that sink full of dishes, and immediately Galatians 6.9 popped in my head. You know what Galatians 6.9 says? Never tire in doing what is good. And so in a split second, I had a little argument with God. God, I don't want to do those dishes. I'm tired. I've worked hard today. I just want to go to bed. And he repeated that verse, never tire in doing what is good. So I made a left-hand turn. I went into that kitchen and I washed those dishes. God was making it very clear, recalling to my mind that important verse when I needed to hear it. 
And God, in a very special way, uh, he and I sometimes have some interesting conversations. And God basically was saying, Dane, get your sorry butt in that kitchen and wash those dang dishes for those nice people that are allowing you to stay in their house for a 100 bucks a month. And so God recalled that verse to my mind. So in that case, God spoke directly to my heart, reminding me in my mind and in my heart of a verse that I had learned long before that point. God speaks to us sometimes in that way. Another example, about 11 years ago, I was going through a particularly discouraging time in my life. I was uh, working at the church, serving as the pastor at the time, and I was on my way to the church office one morning. I lived in Victorville at the time, and I was going through a residential area, and as I was coming up a certain street, I began to cry out to God in prayer uh, there from my driver's seat. I'm driving my car up this road, and I cry out to God and say, God, I don't know if I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I asked him, I said, God, will you give me some sign that, it, that I'm where I'm supposed to be? I need a sign. And I came to a stop at the stop sign at this intersection at Village Drive. And as I came to a stop, I looked across the street, and I saw a road sign that said, there is hope. And I'm like, seriously, God, I just asked you for a sign. And not but a few seconds later, I look up and that sign is saying there is hope. Exactly what I needed to hear. And I had to chuckle because that was one of our own church's signs. And in fact, I had ordered that sign. And then I had asked one of the volunteers at our church to put the sign up at that intersection because I thought maybe someday someone would be driving by and they need that message of hope. I had no idea that that would be me. (laughs) And so God was speaking to me through that sign. And so, oh, I knew in that moment in my heart of hearts that God heard my prayer. And in his own still small voice, he was speaking to me through that sign, Dane, there is hope. Friends, God is always speaking, and he speaks to us in many different ways. But we have to work at listening with our whole hearts. Sometimes God may speak to you through a little bird in your backyard. Sometimes God may speak to you through a sign on the road. Sometimes God may speak to you through a sermon or a message preached from God's word. And more times than not, God will speak to you directly from his word. There are a hundred different ways that God speaks to us, but we must be listening with our whole hearts. One last thing, and this is very, very important. If you ever wonder whether or not the voice that you are hearing is God's voice or someone else's voice, I know that's a question we as Christians have. How do I know that this is the voice of God that I'm hearing? The best way to tell that it's the voice of God is to take the message that you hear and test it with the Word of God. You see, the Bible is not just the number one way that God will speak to you. The Word of God is also a barometer of all truth. So whether it's a bird, or an impression you get while you are praying, or a word of encouragement or wisdom from a fellow Christian or someone else, you test it with the Word of God, and the Word of God is the barometer of all truth. And I guarantee you, God is always perfectly consistent. If the voice that you hear does not line up perfectly with God's word, then you can rule that out as God's voice. It's not God's voice because God does not contradict himself. 
ever. God never contradicts himself. God never contradicts his word. And so not only is this the number one place where you'll find God speaking to you, it's also the barometer of all truth. When you hear a voice and you want to know if that's God's voice, test it with the word of God. Because God will never contradict himself. God's voice will always line up perfectly with God's word. Amen? Amen. Five questions for you to see if you were soaking in uh, what we talked about in this message today. And personally, I think these five questions are a little bit easier than some of the questions I've asked you in recent weeks. But let's see how you did. Question number one. How did God speak to Elijah? Remember, there was the wind and there was the fire and there was the earthquake. But how did God speak to Elijah? Question number two. This is a fill in the blank. The problem isn't that God's not talking. The problem is that we're not what? The problem isn't that God's not talking. The problem is that we are not what? Question number three. In order to hear God's voice more clearly, what should we try to eliminate? In order to hear God's voice more clearly, what should we try to eliminate? Question number four. God says in Jeremiah 29:13 that you will seek him and find him when you seek him with all of your what? Seek him, listen for him with all of your what? And then finally number 5, question number 5, what is the number one way that God speaks to us? And if anyone misses the answer to this question, Uh, You know what? You've got some answering to do. (laughs) That should have been crystal clear. What is the number one way that God will speak to you? Number one way. Let's see how you did. Question number one. How did God speak to Elijah? In a still, small voice. Or, as the NIV puts it, in a gentle whisper. Question number two. Fill in the blank. The problem isn't that God's not talking. The problem is that we aren't listening. The problem is that we aren't listening. Question number three, in order to hear God's voice more clearly, what should we try to eliminate? We need to try to eliminate the background noise. If our ears are rattling with all of the noise, it's going to be very hard to hear God's still, small voice. By the way, something I forgot to mention, if you want to dive into God's word to hear his voice, I recommend you do that early in the morning or late at night when the house is more still and more quiet. Sometimes moms and dads like me, sometimes we need to wake up earlier than everyone else in the household so that we can spend time in God's word and hear him a lot better. So that was question number three. Question number four, God says in Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen that you will seek him and find him when you seek him with all of your heart, with all of your heart. And then finally, question five, what is the number one way that God speaks to us? And everybody says God speaks to us through his, through his word, through the Bible. It's the number one way that God will speak to us. Well, I want to pray with you today. Uh, if you are with us today and you have never made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to let you know that today on Mother's Day is a wonderful day to commit your life to Jesus Christ. I just had this thought come to mind, and so possibly God is saying it to me, so I'm going to say it to you. I think that some of you watching and listening today, 
know in your heart of hearts that your mom wants you to accept Christ. Some of you here today maybe were dragged into watching this online service and you have not had an interest in following God in the past, but in order to show your love and respect for mom, you're watching this service right now. I want to say to you that God knows you. In fact, he planned for you before you were ever a glimmer in your mama's eye. And God wants you to come to him today to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to accept him into your life. And he doesn't make you jump through a bunch of hoops. We like to talk about the ABCs of committing your life to Christ. A, admit that you are a sinner and you need a Savior. B, believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and believe that he is your only hope to make it to heaven. And then C, choose to follow Jesus Christ. Choose to invite him into your life. Choose to allow him to take the the driver's seat and take the wheel of your life and lead you from this point forward. Choose to follow him. Turn from your sin. Obey his commands and choose to follow him and be baptized and for the rest of your life, follow hot on his heels until he leads you straight to heaven. If you want to make that decision today, I'd love to lead you in a prayer right now. Everyone, please just close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want to pray, first of all, for those of you who need to make that decision for Jesus Christ. Just repeat after me if you want to uh, say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to accept you into my life today. I encourage you just to repeat after me if you want to do that. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask that you would come into my life. I ask, O God, that you would forgive me. I admit that I am a sinner and in need of your grace. I admit that I have failed you. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that your grace is strong enough to cover over my disgrace. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. And I choose today to follow you from this point forward, to obey your commands, to put you in the driver's seat of my life, and to follow you until you call me home to heaven. And Lord, may I turn from my sin every day and turn toward you. May I be baptized as soon as possible, showing you and the world that I am serious about this decision. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I encourage you to reach out right now to one of our prayer counselors. Their number is on the bottom of the screen. Or please, if you're watching on Facebook or live.greaterimpact.cc, send us a quick message. We'd love to pray with you and talk with you and help you uh, with your new uh, decision to follow Christ. And we would love to help you get baptized as soon as possible. You know something very interesting in the Bible? There's no such thing as an unbaptized Christian. Whenever someone made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they were immediately baptized. It was like a branding that showed the world that they were serious about following Jesus from this point forward. We would love to talk to you and help you with that decision to get baptized and share with you some next steps with your faith. 
Well, I'm so glad that all of you were able to join us today. Uh, our prayer meeting's going on tomorrow night. If you send us any prayer requests over the next few minutes, we'll make sure to lift those up uh, for you tomorrow. If you need someone to pray with you, we've still got a few more minutes left in the service. Just reach out to one of us. We'd love to pray with you, whatever your prayer need might be. And then uh, to close our service today, moms, we've got one final mom's favorite. And this was a song that that ranked really, really high in the voting. Uh, one of the most popular Christian songs of all time. Uh, the praise team is going to share with us, I Can Only Imagine. Happy Mother's Day, moms. We love you. Thank you one and all for joining us today for online service. Enjoy this final song as we think about that glorious day when we enter heaven and enjoy a world with no more pain and no more sorrow and no more pandemics and no more coronavirus. It's going to be amazing. And that is made available to any of us who put Jesus Christ in the driver's seat of our life. Church, God bless you as you listen for God's still small voice this week. I love you, and we'll see you next time.